Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, we're joined by Tanner O'Connell, the Investment and Finance Director at Elkstone Capital. Tanner, you're very welcome to the show. Rian, thank you very much for inviting me on. Chuffed to have you. Spoke beforehand uh, a little bit about uh, venture capital, investments, finance, and that's kind of the uh, main focus of this podcast. But I'd like to get to know you a little more as we go through this journey over the next 30, 35 minutes. So you grew up in Dublin. Um, Any favorite standout memories of growing up in Dublin, your childhood in Dublin specifically? Yes, so I grew up in the countryside on the Meath, North County Dublin border. Grew up on a farm. Um, Dad was a pilot. And I suppose that's something that probably had an influence on me growing up in that I, um, my mum was self-employed, spent a lot of time with her as dad would have been away a lot. And that's something that definitely instilled an early interest in, in business of all sorts and would have definitely molded what I've gone on to do subsequently. Um, I went to an all Irish primary school in Ashburn. Um, again, something that probably has, has molded my um, approach to things subsequently. I think that's a really good thing for, for people to do if they're interested in it because it gives you uh, an early opportunity to learn a different language. And I was mm. being involved in the GA and I'm still very interested in it, which gave me um, gave me a kind of an early start there as well. Your parents still based out in Ashburn? Not anymore, no. Um, I still have a lot of friends out there and would um, keep in touch with them, but they are based in Malahide now. So they nice. made the move from the countryside to, uh, to a more urban area. And does your dad still fly that plane? No, he's retired about 14 or 15 uh, years ago. Um, and it's something, it's funny, a lot of people uh, think that when your dad's a pilot, it's something that you would be uh, interested in yourself. But um, for me, it was always going down the business route in, in one sense or another. And why had you chosen, because a lot of people look up to their father, what was it that influenced you to go down that business route from an early age? Yeah, I think as I say, my my mum's always been self-employed, and then I'm the I'm by far the youngest of my family. My sister is fourteen years older than me, and my brother is ten years older than me. And um, my brother Blair went down the, the kind of business and accounting route prior to me, so he would have been someone who I definitely would have looked up to. Um, so yeah, that that was probably what kind of the early drivers were. You mentioned Irish school. Um, any uh, standout people? throughout your childhood either in school you mentioned your brother that you you think had a big impact or influence on the person you are today yeah the irish school i i've very fond memories of the irish school and growing up in, in the countryside uh, generally would have had a lot of friends over after school and um but in terms of early drivers I, it's it's a difficult one because I'd say family was a big part of our life growing up and extended family and having people over to the house and that. So I just probably look back as overall having a very open, happy childhood. 
Nice, nice. Strangely, you mentioned this school. I was actually over in Ashburn this morning. I'm usually over in Ashburn every single morning for the gym because that's where uh, my gym is. Um, you chose accounting. Uh, well, actually, you did. Uh, if I have this correct, you did during a certain Clongos, leaving certain institute. Then you went to UCD to do BCom, and then you did a master's in accounting. What was it that had you uh, stay at UCD for that extra year to do a master's in accounting? Who was it your brother that influenced that decision or what was it? Was it a certain modules in BCom? And maybe you can explain what BCom is for those listeners who might not be familiar with that course. Yeah, so uh, BCom is uh, a commerce degree. So a very broad business degree that I think if I was to be advising other people or in terms of my own situation, it's a great course to do if you're interested in business, but you're not exactly sure what area, whether it be accounting or whether it be finance. So that was my rationale in, in doing the BCom. Um, in terms of going on to do the, the extra year, as you said, in, in Smurfit, again, it's something I get asked about quite a lot. What I'd say is that really and truly, it doesn't matter whether you do it or whether you don't. It's almost a lifestyle choice as to whether you want to do another year in college or whether you feel no, I'd really like to get stuck into the, the real world or, or your career. Um, for me, there was a decent group of people moving from um, commerce on to do the master's. And that was really the, the primary driver for me making that decision. Okay, so there was a bunch of college friends that were decided to make that leap and you, you were joining them in that journey. That and by by doing the masters it actually means that you have to do one set less of your uh, professional accountancy exams when you join your firm so by choosing let's call it the the necessary subjects in commerce that got me exempt from the first set of accounting exams the masters got me an exemption for the second set of accounting exams and then you do your third and final set while you're in your training contract so it means that while you're actually doing your training contract, which I went on to do with KPMG, you you can get more stuck into the work as you've one set less of exams to do. And you're making yourself somewhat more attractive to the firms because you've already got that extra step on the ladder? Um, to be honest, I would say that they don't really mind either way. They probably like okay. a blend of, of both types of, of candidates coming in. So a couple of things I know about you before we get into all the good stuff. Uh, you're a member of Clontarf GAA Club. You've been to places like Chicago, Croatia, Wales, London. Uh, what do you like to do outside of work that not a, not a lot of people would know? Yeah, you've, you've certainly done your homework, Green. Um, yeah, so outside work, uh, work's probably a, a big component of my life both from a, a time perspective and uh, something that's very important to me and that I really like to put a lot of emphasis and effort into it's not a, a kind of a nine to five it's it's definitely not a, a work to to live um but yeah out, outside of um outside of work very passionate about sport um as you said play play for Clontarf um got to know a group of guys who were playing with Clontarf when I was in the institute actually which is about 13 years ago at this stage um and just formed a good kind of a, a friendship group there um, other than that, just generally interested in sport, try to play a bit of golf as well. Um, and yeah, they're, they're probably the, the main things that I, outside of work take up a lot of time. 
Have you got a favorite sport? Is GAA your favorite sport? Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, definitely favorite sport. And as I think I mentioned earlier, big, uh, big Mead GA fan, particularly having grown up on the, the Mead North County Dublin border, it would have been during the days when there was uh, actually a big rivalry and there was competition between the two counties, which hopefully we can see returning uh, sooner rather than later. I was just going to say, do you ever think you'll get to wear uh, uh, a green and gold jersey in Crow Park on the All-Ireland Final Day ever again? <laughs> I hope so, Reem, but I... I think it, it's a good number of years away at this stage, unfortunately. Yeah, well, they had a good run in the late 90s. I'm I'm, I'm from Ratote, which is like literally next door to Ashburn. You can almost see Ashburn from where I'm sitting. Um, but I'm a Kilkenny fan. Both my parents are from Kilkenny. So um, I've had plenty of experience at Crow Park when, at Black and Amber. Um, okay, so let's jump into all good things, investment, finance. Um, when people are going to think about investing what are some of the things you think they should pay attention to and watch out for if they want to take that step in investing so is this for people reen who are starting investing for the first time yeah well well, let let's start there and then let's move on to the the other side of that coin yeah, okay. Um, I think the first thing, Rian, is for people to try and educate themselves as much as possible. So Sorry. there's an awful lot of good resources online just for generally understanding what you're getting into the same way you'd approach taking up anything, taking up a new sport or understand the ground rules, understand optionality. And then I would say the next step is to, to start small, first of all, and to... Um, from there kind of add to your investments over time so whether it's you're going to allocate 100 euro a month and put that to work into various investments but i think the first step is definitely educate yourself so why why might someone decide to go down the route of investing rather than uh put it in a a long-term aib or bank of ireland savings account well like that's just one of the examples. What are some of the advantages of investing? Yeah, well, at the moment, uh, given the current interest rate environment, by putting your money into a, a deposit account, you're going to be earning uh, next to nothing, if not having the bank actually charge you for the pleasure of minding your money. So if you can generate any kind of an investment return uh, at all, really, you'll be in a better position than if you just leave it sitting there in cash. Um Secondly, uh, given the amount of uh, quantitative easing, i.e. printing money that's happening, particularly in the States at the moment, we probably are in an environment where there is a risk of inflation, which again will further devalue people who just hold all their, their funds or their savings in cash. So there's a lot of, particularly, I feel like you're on the same age as me looking at your LinkedIn. There's a lot of hype or talk around apps like Robinhood, Revolut, and people make, I don't know whether it's for fun, but but small investments in stocks online. Um, and uh, some people might feel pressured into joining in the crowd uh, in doing so because a lot of people only share the positive news online um but there's places like the zurich dynamic fund i'm just mentioning that because that's where i in, put uh money in each month but 
if I was to get started, are there any play because because there's a lot of a lot of noise. There's friends on social media. There's different accounts, and 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 it's hard to trust which ones to listen to and which ones not to listen to. So, like from your perspective, if you could point a couple of places uh, for people to go to get educated in this before they decide to do anything, um, where would you direct them towards? Yeah, I suppose in terms of the first point that you've you've mentioned, Irene, there's probably two different aspects to the way of looking at investments in this regard. So like active investments whereby you're picking out individual stocks or securities and investing in them. Um, you'll hear a lot about that in terms of, as you've mentioned, Robin Hood. But then there's passive investing where you can essentially invest in an ETF or a fund that tracks um, uh, you know, one of the uh, various exchanges. So that's probably, let's call it maybe the, the safer or the more, more mm-hmm. conservative way to, to start off. And for somebody maybe who is wants to invest more so because they know it is going to be very good for their financial well-being and health going forwards, that's probably the option for people who have a burning desire to really learn a lot more about um investing and and you know various companies going the active route is probably something that's going to appeal to them more I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of this is i'm trying not to get too technical or overload i'm trying to keep it simple for for listeners here um while also providing value which, uh, uh, on this topic i'm no uh, expert on this topic so it's rather difficult to to do that but if we look at the the latter you you just mentioned so as i talked about zurich dynamic fund before we move on to to other topics i'd like you to kind of help break this down for the listeners if someone was to invest let's say a uh, thousand euro into an aib or bank of ireland's current account and they were to also invest a thousand euro into one of those dynamic funds i can't remember the term you used uh, over time what i'm hearing you're saying is that you're almost losing money by putting it in the current account long-term savings account with one of the traditional banks whereas if you put it into one of these dynamic funds it's going to grow but like i understand this but help help the listeners understand like how is that? What, like, if I give a thousand euro to one of these organizations like Zurich or Standard Life, are they going to act on my behalf and invest in a lot of different companies? And then each year, give me, you know, a, like, you know, five six percent back on the investment that I made if I make on a. And 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 then I have a second question to that is like, is it better to at the end of the year take any savings I have, let's say it's ten thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand, and dump it in, or am I better off to? spread that 2001 month 2000 the next month 2000 the next month and if so why am i better off spreading or why am i better off dumping all in one go i better be careful here Irene, that i'm not seen to be giving any financial advice but um okay. <laughs> no yeah, so i un- un- understand where you're coming from if you want to look at it you know very big picture from a kind of a helicopter view if you took mm-hmm. for instance and these are just general broadly accurate figures i'm using if you yeah. took the, um, you know, one of the big American stock exchanges over, if you took it over a hundred year period for uh, somewhere around seven to eight out of those decades, no matter when you've invested, you will end up 
up as in your investment will grow so yeah. even if you invest at what might be a, an unfortunate time that if you continue to invest periodically like as i said 100 euro a month or whatever it might be that in the long run you will generate very substantial returns or very meaningful returns so it, it, it's kind of it, it, the basic premise is that like economies grow um particularly things like technology as real drivers and then over time you will you will benefit from that and if you're fortunate enough to get in at the wrong time over the course of time that will kind of fix itself here's where you might be able to help without pushing any of your buttons is um the typical audience that listens to this are entrepreneurs founders ceos mds of small and medium-sized companies across the uk and ireland um uh, if they were interested in learning more um is elkstone capital like do you guys run webinars are there articles resources on your site where someone could go to to learn more or explore or like other than this podcast if i'm if, if i'm now interested and in going oh yeah i'm putting my money there but i might want to explore the option of doing a b or c like wh- like other than this podcast where is the best place for them to or where's one place they should go to to take a look yeah so uh, elkstone wouldn't really be financial advisors uh, in the sense that you're you're talking about um there's a there's a lot like I, I probably don't have any one specific one that i'd be comfortable or you know would yeah. really see people towards but there, there is a lot of resources out there and um, that can be very helpful um you know th- things like um my my wall street will be a good example of one it's a it's a, a startup that's done exceptionally well over time and it is very much um it focuses on the educational piece um I, there's a subscription i think it might be i'm not entirely sure maybe somewhere between two and five hundred dollars um per annum to sign up to it and um it's it's very good in fairness okay okay well moving on uh venture capital um is something that i'd like you to break down and and kind of make simple so first of all for anyone who's not sure what it is um can you define what it is venture capital yep so venture capital is investing in early stage tech startups okay so there's a venture capitalist who has had a successful run and now is you know on maybe one or two companies cashed out at 100 150 million euro and now they've got a pile of money and they're kind of early stage inventors and they're called a venture capitalist. Yep, that, that's that's broadly correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I'm 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 just trying to make this simple so that people can understand these terms because sometimes people don't understand these terms. Um why might uh early stage company and if I'm correct, it's not usually the the very early stages kind of uh okay if I'm correct from what I understand of venture capitalists is they don't in, invest at the very beginning. It's, it's a little while afterwards, but, and, and I could be wrong. You could correct me on that, but why might a company look at the option of venture capital? 
Yeah, so um, in, in investing in, in venture as a kind of, let's call it as an asset class um, to differentiate versus a, a venture capitalist, because, you know, I could invest or you could invest in venture as an asset class by giving a very small amount of money to um, a company. And that can be anywhere reading from an idea on a piece of paper to a much later stage, let's call it Series D investment, where a company might be raising $200 million dollars. It's, it's still all investing in venture. Um, so let's just say, even if we were to uh, look at Elkstone and what we do, um, mm -hmm. we would typically invest um, between, let's call it 500,000 euro, maybe up to 2.5 million. Uh, typically, we, you know, that's how we have done more in, in certain deals. And that money would go into an early stage tech company that could be could be Irish, could be international. We'd be very much uh, sector agnostic in terms of what specific area of tech we'd invest in. And um, what do you mean by that? Do you want to explain that for anyone who doesn't understand? You, 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 what you're saying is you're not biased in what sector you you invest in. Yeah, like as in you know we could invest in um, uh, health tech, ed tech, prop tech. We're not specialists, but that's gotcha. kind of. That's almost really a, a virtue of the fact that we invest um, on the on the earlier stage. You know, we're we're not writing the the fifty million tickets at the later stage of the of the venture cycle. And those venture capitalists would tend to be more specialists just by virtue of the fact that they're putting a lot more money into these investments. Whereas for us, being generalists and sector agnostic is helpful in that because you're going in at the earlier stage it's actually it's more risky and therefore being diversified across lots of different kind of let's call them sub sectors of um startups is actually beneficial for both us and and our uh, clients so if i if I, I, I might not be understanding this correctly but you've got a number of investors that invest with you and then you act on behalf and invest in companies is that what i'm understanding yeah so it might be helpful for me to give you an, an overview of elkstone Re please, please do. so elkstone is a multi-family office based here in dublin in ireland what's a multi-family office we um we mind lots of high net worth families and entrepreneurs and um our business it's basically broken down into um, three main areas. One being venture, which we've we've kind of discussed. Uh, two being real estate, and three being our family office service, where we will provide bespoke services to our particularly high net worth families and individuals. So, mm -hmm. if you take it in reverse order, third piece is really minding people, and kind of assisting them around some of the things you've discussed earlier about, you know, where should they look at putting their money, bringing them interesting opportunities that might not be originated in Elkstone. So they're not, let's call them Elkstone deals. Whereas if you go back up to venture and real estate, we originate our own deals. So we go out there or people come to us and we decide we're going to invest in ABC tech company. We will then invest our uh, and when I say our, I mean the Elkstone Founders Funds, but then we will also bring those deals to our clients and give them the option to invest in them as well. 
Okay, so why might people come towards, like, why might a tech company in Ireland or the UK come to you and look for uh, investment? Specifically to Elkstone? Yeah. I suppose if you look at the track record of some of the companies we've invested in previously, the likes of um, Let's Get Checked and 30 Madison, which have both recently achieved unicorn status, mm. i.e. valuations in excess of a, of a billion. Um, other notable ones, uh, Flipdish, uh, Mana, uh, Soapbox Labs. So wow. people have seen the, maybe the, the, the successes uh, thus far of the companies we've invested in and some of the doors that we've been able to open ordinarily um, we will put somebody on the board of these companies to uh, act as kind of non-executive director and assist them, which is particularly valuable at the earlier stage when we're early, very early stage investors. Um, as a company like a, a Let's Get Checked has gone through uh, subsequent funding rounds, not to say that we can't add value, but they have then lots of people who will be able to add value for them. Whereas if you're the first uh, investor at let's say the seed stage by having you know a, a professional venture investor on your board is very helpful so not only do you have let's use uh, a black book of good contacts that you're enabled to bridge that relationship you've also you're also using the funding as a way to kind of help them boost or like achieve that hyper growth unicorn status yeah, like I suppose that it probably links to the question I think you were asking me earlier as well. Like, why would somebody take on um, venture money? It's exactly as you've said there. It helps grow the business rapidly, particularly for a tech type company. It's very, very difficult to to bootstrap it. You might be able to do it for a period of time by taking on, you know, investing your own money, friends and family money, maybe uh, angel investors in the sense that they're not professional investors um that'll get you so far but a point will come whereby really to ramp up to the next level in the vast vast majority of cases taking on venture money will be the way to unlock that potential yeah i got you any mentors yourself ways that you continue to improve your craft you listen to podcasts books uh as i said any 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 anyone you groups you go to, mentors you invest in? Yeah, um, in terms of mentors, that's something that I've always had, to be honest, right back to, I'd say, my certainly my commerce days, if not earlier, um, where they might be people from very, very different backgrounds, but just people who I would um, pick up the phone to or ask to meet for a coffee and say, mm. look, here's where I am here's the decision I want to make or I'm thinking of making, what do you think? And uh, it's something I've definitely got a lot of uh, a lot of benefit out of, particularly in terms of, let's say, during the, the period when I had uh, I'd done my three years with KPMG and I was deciding what, what step I wanted to take next. There were kind of various people I met who were just very helpful. I've been able to distill down and help me figure out what it was that I wanted to do and then how I would go about making that happen. So not something that people should overlook? Like invaluable would be the way I'd put it. And is there is networking an important layer of that to continue to build your contacts? 
Yeah, I think they, they go hand in hand because the, the more networking you do, the wider your network, the better chance there is that no matter what, uh, what you're looking for advice about or what obstacles maybe you have in front of me, it's more likely you're going to know somebody who's going to be able to help you with that particular problem or, or give you good, good sound advice. In the industry that you're in, you can do this industry specific or role specific. What are some of the challenges that you've faced over the last 18 to 24 months that you didn't uh, think or yeah, didn't think that you end up facing? And how have you tackled them? Yeah, I think the last 18 months, Rian, for for everybody, irrespective of, um, you know, I look even at my own family, I have an 11 year old uh, nephew. There's been a lot of challenges for him um, due to COVID, not being able to go to school or doing school from, from home, not being able to play a sport. If I look at myself, I've been uh, working from home a lot, which is something that probably has um, benefits, but also has a lot of challenges associated. And then if you look maybe at our parents or our grandparents' generation, people who might have um illnesses or or underlying conditions they've been very challenged so it, it's an interesting question and i think the challenge everyone has faced challenges it's just in very different ways for me i would say work, working from home is something that um for me i i didn't really i found it that it's, it makes it just a little bit more difficult to do your job effectively um and is that, I, is that from a concentration point of view is that from you can't tap into your 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 colleagues is that from just a getting out of the house point of view because i know for me one of the things was for the first couple of months i was working from my apartment and then there there's an office that my father has maybe a 15 minute walk and albeit within the same village that 15 minute walk to separate work from home was 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 a game changer for me yeah i, th I think it's very much let's call it the, the qualitative things rather than um you know there's there's no real good reason that you shouldn't be able to work at home but it's nearly from an energy management perspective i think it's probably safe enough to say Rian, that both yourself and myself would be extroverts so we kind of get our energy from other people and absolutely out. and that's probably the biggest challenge that i've found and i know from speaking to friends and colleagues that it's something they've found difficult as well so if you could, if you could kind of, um, if you could almost, if, if for this period gone by, if we could have been working from home, but still doing all of our usual social or sporting activities, it might've been a lot easier. But when you have your social life and your extracurriculars, let's call them uh, taken away. And then on the other hand, you're working from home. That just makes it very difficult. During the working week for the last year and a half, there has been one person I've seen every single day during the working week and no one else. And that's my dad. I walk to work. I live by myself. I walk, I see my dad. I walk home from work for lunch. I walk back to work. I walk home again. And Monday to Friday, all I see, no one else. And gym's closed. Any activities that I would do are closed. So as an extrovert, um, that's something that I've found extremely difficult because I thrive off that social environment and I get my energy from other people, which is interesting because I've been around introverts who would go to conferences and they would put a ton of effort in at conferences and as soon as you've left the conference with them uh, you can see the energy completely disappeared in them because they put so much effort in with that socializing networking whereas for me i'm almost pumped full of energy after it because i got my energy from people 
Um, so staying on that for a second, when you can travel again uh, and when you decide to get on a plane, where is the first place that you're going to go to? If you could go anywhere. Yeah, I think, um, to, to be honest, it was, I was meant to, um, during COVID, during 2020, I was meant to go over to, I had a friend at the time who was working in, uh, in Texas. Um, we had a kind of a trip planned there. So I feel that's a, that's a box that I need to take, whether it'll be the first one or not, I don't know. But uh, I think it'll be to the States somewhere, um, whether it be New York or maybe the West Coast. Nothing, I'm, I'm wary of lining anything up really just yet until, uh, until we have certainty on when we might be able to, to travel properly. But um, yeah, definitely go to the States. Nice. Big fan of the States. It was the last country I was in actually before the whole uh, world shut down, March of last year. Um, if you're, it looks like you're living in an apartment, but I don't know if you live with anyone, pretend all your loved ones are safe, animals, people, anything. Uh, if that was burning down and you can only save one item from it, what one item would that be? It, it's a good question, Reen, and I've, I've heard you uh, ask a lot of, if not all of your guests, this question, but um, I've, I've, it's, it's something I've thought about and where I've landed is... Um, just some old family photographs that were before the times of people having photographs on computers. Um, ultimately, everything else is is replaceable. So that's the one I'd go for. Solid answer. You can definitely tell you've heard me ask that question before because most people usually answer laptop or phone. So I'm proud that you didn't answer that. <laughs> if in the future you were ever going to write a book, what do you think the title of the book would be called? That's one I definitely haven't thought about. Um, I think a lot of it would really depend on. Um, I'm not well. Firstly, I'm I'm not sure if I'd like to write a book. From what I believe, there's a a serious amount of time and, and effort goes into it. Um, but I think it would ultimately depend on. You know, I'm you know still relatively early in my career in life, so it would really depend on how things would evolve between between now and then. Certainly, no intentions of writing a book in the coming decades. Yeah, I know there's a lot of effort put into it. You're probably looking at it somewhere between five to 10,000 and majority of people don't make that money back off, off the investment with time as well as a huge investment. Um, and you reference, you're still young and early. Who knows where you'll be in a decade from now? Could be something completely different. So final question is, I reference decade. I'd like you to imagine it's the year 2030 um, and you're looking back. So we're now talking in the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade. You can answer this personally or professionally, but what would you like to be looking back on? Yeah, another great question. Um, for me, Rian, it's, it's quite simple in that I just like to be doing something that I feel is very meaningful and that I'm fully bought into. And a lot of it, a lot of the enjoyment, like, get out of day-to-day -day life or you know achieving goals is actually the process of just enjoying getting up every day and attacking whether it's your role or your sport or something else in your personal life and just feeling that you've given it everything that you could um so for me if I was looking back I'd like to feel that whatever I go on to do over the next 10 years that I've given it my very best effort and I've enjoyed the process of doing it solid answer Tanner O'Connell, I have enjoyed spending the last 35, 40 minutes chatting to you. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. I hope one day you do get to see me lift the Sam Maguire. Uh, 
Um, but uh, for now, uh, thank you for being my guest today. Thanks very much for having me on, Reen, and uh, continued success with the podcast. Hey, yo, Metro, though, trust you, I'm gonna show you. Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning.